Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football presented by Robro and Austin Underground. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and CJ Vogel. And a lot of shakeup last night, fellas. I think we need to start with Jim Harbaugh actually leaving Michigan, going to the Chargers. Domino effect, possibly. What what could happen here? There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I think CJ and I are both lost for words a little bit because <laughs> the dominoes could just be enormous. Yeah, I'm not necessarily expecting a shakeup like we saw from Alabama when Nick Saban retired, but... It certainly opens the door for a number of prospects and players on that Michigan team coming off a national championship to kind of sit back and reevaluate things right now. Uh, I believe it is trending for uh, Sharon Moore to become that next head coach at Michigan. That should help retain most of the roster that Michigan has right now, uh, currently ready on roster for the 2024 team. If there are a couple players that Texas could certainly take a stab at in the portal should they enter, I think the top of that list is Kenneth Grant, the sixth, 6'3", 6'4", 340-pound interior defensive lineman. Obviously, Mason Graham as well as an interior lineman that uh, Texas could probably uh, certainly use for 2024. And Will Johnson, perhaps the best cornerback in all the country. Uh, Should any of those three enter the portal, I would expect Texas to have uh, quite a bit of interest and pursue uh, pretty significantly. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. But as we've seen with Alabama, a 30-day window now does open for Michigan players to enter the portal should they so choose. Uh, but again, if it's Sharon Moore and Michigan has made it known uh, behind closed doors that that is going to be the transition, I, I do not expect to see as much uh, attrition as what we saw from Alabama and several other programs this offseason that other, also other went uh, coaching changes. Yep. Uh, I, here's here's what I've got on it, uh, essentially. Uh, Brett McMurphy, who uh, works with the Action Network, fairly well, con- uh, extremely well connected, let's just put it that way, uh, says that it's 99%, 99.9% done that Sharon Moore will be the next head coach at Michigan. So, so in other words, it's not all the way done, but there's a lot of momentum in that direction, et cetera. Okay, so what does that mean? That means that uh, first of all, the players have 30 days they can choose with which to enter the transfer portal. Um, we will see whether or not some players do that before Moore is, is uh, named the new coach or even after, because even after he is named the coach, they still have that opportunity. Apparently in the state of Michigan, there's a seven-day rule where a job has to be open seven days and put up there before they can actually hire someone new. There's always into rounds on those kind of deals. So I wouldn't worry about that so much being a factor. It's more this 30 days uh, period. Um, to, to CJ's point, the three guys that that would be no-brainers at Texas are Ken- Kenneth Grant, the interior defensive tackle. He's a nose tackle, 330 pounds. Mason Graham's a first-team All-American candidate. And then Will Johnson is a shutdown corner. Now, 
Uh, we've, we've said a little bit about this shutdown corner situation. Texas is not like going nuts about Jabbar Muhammad right now, probably going to Oregon and or Alabama. Uh, Texas felt like he was a luxury of sorts, uh, but that's partially because he's not a quote unquote shutdown corner. He's not a first round corner. A first round corner would be different in the, in the transfer portal uh, and likely somebody that Texas would look heavily at. Uh, second part of this, a lot of people were saying, well, what about the defensive line coach at Michigan? Okay, well, Texas obviously has a defensive line opening. Mike Elston is the defensive line coach at Michigan. He had a good success of recruiting and developing players. We're being told at this point that he's headed to the NFL. Or he's going to or he's possibly going to be elevated to defensive coordinator at Michigan. Okay. Um, I see somebody asking about the the uh, tight end uh, for Michigan. He is uh, yes, he is a he's a great player. I know for a fact Texas thought, you know, he was if, if Texas were to play Michigan in the national championship game, that was one guy that they had circled that might be a problem. And a lot of NFL scouts think he's uh, tight end number one heading into next year. But I don't think Texas wants to spend even as good as he is. I'm not sure Texas would spend another scholarship after getting Amari Nyblack in the portal. That's why I didn't push him up there uh, in that same category. Uh, long story short, Elston. Let's wait and see what happens with him. Uh, and we're we're on we're on hold right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, what if uh, you know Michigan backs out of the Sharon Moore situation, CJ and and Blake, and goes with someone like Brian Kelly? I mean, that, that's the Armageddon scenario, right? Where if that happens, just you have no clue what's going to happen across the board on so many so many different pieces. People saying havoc, uh, pandemonium. Armageddon, whatever you want to call it, because those are like, you know, X, that, that's a, a lot. That's all I'll say. Yeah. That's a lot. But before, uh, before we move on and get into some more coaching talk, real quick, Bobby, I mean, you've been around college football a long time. Do you ever remember an offseason with this much major coaching change? Um, well, the greatest of all time retired. <laughs> you know, that only happens once, right? Um, so I, I, I can, I can definitely see other times where there've been more coaching changes, Blake, but maybe not at the top of the heap. CJ put out a tweet yesterday that I thought was terrific. Um, there were four teams in the college football playoff, Michigan, Texas, Alabama, and Washington. Three of those schools have new coaches. Texas is the only one of, of the four that is not having an uh, undergoing a coaching change. That's to me that, that I agree with you from that standpoint at the top of the heap. Uh, I've seen more coaching availabilities like they're in the, in, in the big 12 alone. I mean, really, I guess now you, if you add in Arizona, they had a change, right. But what other changes were there in, in, in the big 12? There weren't. Yeah. And so, I feel like there's been at the top of the heap, maybe to your point, Blake, there's been more. And, and I also think the other thing that adds to this is this new idea that players can go into the portal when a coach leaves. Now that that has thrown a totally different wrench into this scenario. One that I don't think a lot of people that manage college football even contemplated, yeah. right? It is a true free market when that happens. And I don't, I don't know. 
I mean, maybe that's what's best for the future of college football. I kind of think they need a, I mean, somebody needs to step in and there's, there's too many new rules causing too much havoc in college football. Some new rules are fine. There has to be a, you know, before you just go open the floodgates, you have to figure out exactly what it should be. And I, I don't think enough people have been really paying attention to that at the NCAA for, for far too long. And I'm tired of mentioning the NCAA as a scapegoat in this stuff, but that's what they are. Yeah. I mean, that they, they've abdicated the throne and let's, you know, we'll, we'll let the lawyers figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say at the top, it certainly feels like the turnover has been significantly uh, more prevalent. And as a result, the domino effects that come from the portals just magnify how important and, and, and really just groundbreaking this is. I look back to the, the Lincoln Riley to USC and obviously Brian Kelly from Notre Dame to LSU that off season, I thought was nuts. feels like this one as a result of the, the greatest of all time and the defending national champion uh, head coaching uh, departures that, that certainly looks at it and laughs a little bit. I actually put a note up or a little article up this morning on, on texasfootball.com. Texas will go into the 2024 schedule with the teams that they're scheduled to play right now. They'll face four brand new head coaches on the flip side. They'll play eight, first-time starting quarterbacks at that program. So a lot of turnover that we've seen already in college football, and it's trickling into what Texas will immediately face in 2024. Uh, they start off with Colorado State, who will be returning uh, a quarterback and head coach. But after that, I mean, you're looking at five straight first-time starters at the quarterback position for, for their opponents. So uh, a lot going on. It's it's a, the new world of college football. And Texas, luckily, is going into the SEC with Quinn Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian back for year three. So a little bit of ahead, in my opinion, of what they'll be facing on a week-to-week basis. It's a good stat, CJ. Eight. You said eight new co- eight new quarterbacks of the 12 teams? Yep, eight new quarterbacks, four new head coaches. Hmm. Interesting. Well, somebody they won't be re- going to the SEC with is Bo Davis as he left for LSU. And Texas fans, Bobby, they want to know what's the deal with the defensive tackle coach search? Yeah, so I spoke to someone close to the situation uh, last night after our live stream because I want to get an update. Um, look, it's here. here's the, the macro perspective at the University of Texas right now. A, he Steve Sarkeesian does not feel like this position has to be filled tomorrow. He didn't feel he just doesn't feel like this is something that's hurting him or hurting their recruitment, et cetera. They're not really going after anybody for the February 7th signing period. Uh, it's more about getting the right person in here for spring ball. OK, and getting the right person in here for recruiting purposes. If anything, in retrospect and looking at the totality of Bo Davis's work, the one concern that they had that they want to remedy is the cupboard at defensive line is relatively bare right now. You have a couple of high-level prospects in Sadir Mitchell and Alex January. But outside of that, that's not enough. And the talent was too young. And uh, frankly, that's a problem uh, at Texas that they want to remedy with the next defensive line coaching hire. They want someone that's going to be a more competitive recruiter with the top level players around the country. Um, and so finding that is not, you know, it's not so easy. Um, and so 
I don't know that Rod Wright, for example, was ever actually offered the job at Texas. I think he's under consideration. Um, but my my thought process uh, is is that is a possibility, and we'll have to see it. Um, I I just don't know uh, that uh, they're under any sort of pressure, in his opinion, to go do anything. He's got Brandon Harris on the road now, filling that role. Brandon Harris is one of the guys that he wants to be on the road uh, because he is the key personnel guy that talks to recruits. Um, and so he, he doesn't feel like there's this enormous pressure uh, to, from a timeline perspective that maybe I think fans with fans may see or perceive. Yeah. Well, let me ask you all this in a perfect world. If Texas came to you and they said, Bobby, CJ, we're letting you hire the next defensive tackle coach. You can pick anybody you want. Who would be y'all's favorite if you could hire them in a perfect world? Uh, it would be either Ed Orgeron or Ryan Nielsen for me. Uh, both have, have coached at a high level and recruited at a high level. Those yeah. are the two. I, I like how Coach O approaches recruiting. You know, that's <laughs> – to your yes. point, Bobby, there's not a family that has – that was on that LSU staff or that, that LSU run that did not appreciate and like what Coach O did for them. So I, I, I don't hate that at all. I actually really like it. Yeah, I, those are the two. I mean, <clears throat> there are others out there. I I will say this. I mean, we can overplay this a little bit. Um, there are guys out there that can do the job. This is there. There's more than one successful defensive line coach in the country. Um, and so I think that Steve Sarkeesian's got to find the one that's available that he likes that fits his culture, et cetera. Pushing those guys and trying to put a round peg into a square hole isn't going to work. Yeah. Well, we have uh, some questions that we're going to get to about defensive tackles, defensive tackle coaches. But before we do those, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about Rick Vavro and Austin Underground. Yeah, absolutely. Rick's a friend of the program here at On Texas Football and, and Coffee and Football. We appreciate him. Since 2004, Austin Underground has specialized in difficult underground commercial installations. The team's engineering background gives Austin Underground's team the ability to perform work other firms often consider just too risky. Rick Vavro and his team offer an end-to-end -end client experience, including seamless communication, budgeting, staffing, and top-notch trade partners. And most importantly, they produce solid quality work each and every time. That's Austin Underground. We appreciate you very much, uh, Rick Vavro and your team. Be sure to check them out. And thank you for sponsoring each and every Thursday right here on Coffee and Football. And let's get to some questions, guys. This first one from R. Charnel. Would a top defensive lineman from Michigan come to Texas without a defensive line coach in place? It's a tough sell. Not knowing, you know, who's going to be coaching you every single day, especially of NFL aspirations, to know who is going to be that guy to get you developed and ready to go on the field. It's a tough sell. Uh, right now, I'd, I'd have to think it, it would certainly be a lot easier to have a defensive line coach in place. Uh, you can obviously pitch the program, the success of a 2023 season, and the, I guess uh, the Steve Sarkeesian remaining at Texas. But until you put that guy in a position to say you're going to be in the room with him every day going through drills, watching film, it's a tough sell. I, I don't know. I don't think so. 
And this next question, uh, kind of along the same subject here, Bobby T.D. Brown says, does Texas have any connection to the two defensive tackles you mentioned from Michigan? Are you all aware of anyone? I, look, I, I think well, Mason Graham is from Anaheim Servite. Uh, and clearly th that's Orange County and Steve Sarkeesian, Chris Jackson, those guys know that area and know coaches from there. I don't know if there's a backwards relationship to your point. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know at that point. Um, as far as uh, some other pieces of, of the puzzle there, uh, Kenneth Grant uh, is from Indiana, I believe, originally. Uh, again, Texas not does not do a lot uh, of that. So I, I don't know. I mean, but look, I, I think that it's pretty clear Texas is in need of defensive linemen. And I think that that word is on the street a little bit. Uh, somebody, by the way, is asking about the other defensive lineman at Arizona that has entered into the portal. Um, he is good enough to play at Texas, too. Uh, I don't know that they're going to choose to go after him right away. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but it's definitely a possibility. Um, I, I think that Texas right now is likely uh, going to wait until the spring evaluation period to see who all is available. Uh, but uh, that is a that's a that's a big deal. Bobby, would Texas be open to taking another edge? Because I believe that's where Ward played a lot of his snaps at Arizona was right off that off that edge. Yeah, I don't know that he's going. I don't know that they're going to be it. It, it would have to be a situation where they could play inside outside. CJ, to your point, I don't know that they're looking for more edge prospects right now. They're they're over the limit on scholarships, as we know. 86 to 87, I think, is the number right now. You'd probably like to get Burt Auburn on scholarship, which would put you up to 87 to 88. Um, I and you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have some attrition, but you don't know how much. Um, you may have three to four, which is a lot different than six to seven, which puts you totally in the clear, and you can be more aggressive in the portal. I, I think we have to wait. I, I think that they're going to wait until the spring. Unless somebody that is just a no-brainer pops up, like one of these guys at Michigan. All right, guys. This next question here uh, comes from Dennis Dorsey. And he says, what exactly is Edo doing these days? And do you think he'd even be interested? Well, he and Steve Sarkeesian have a long-term uh, relationship. They've known each other going back to their USC days. Uh, I don't know that he would be interested. Uh, that's the biggest point. Uh I think that uh, he and Sark have a positive relationship. I think he's just living his best life uh, right now. Counting his money is what he, is what he would say. Uh, he took $17 million from LSU when he left. I think it was paid out over a five-year run or something. But uh, still, uh, he's he, he is an interesting uh, guy because I think that he uh, marries what Steve Sarkeesian is really looking for. That's not only an elite, an elite recruiter, but an elite developer. And so that's when I start talking about what you would want or I would want in a coach or what Steve Sarkeesian is saying he wants to people close to him, Ed Orgeron, come, that kind of coach comes to mind. He's done both. And that's that's really what it's about. I don't know what's what, what where he's what he's up to right now. Do I think that Texas is contacting him and that Steve Sarkeesian's had a text or two with him? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's occurred. Uh. The chat. That doesn't make him a candidate, though. Yeah, doesn't make him a candidate. 
<laughs> All right, guys, we're going to uh, talk about a little more Michigan talk here. Phil McIntosh says, question, do you think Michigan is hiring more because of its quali qualifications and love for the university, or is it a product of portal stripping a roster or both? Well, if it's the back end, it would be a mistake. Yeah. If you are hiring a head coach to protect a player or players on roster, I think that is very short-term approach. Uh, I would have to imagine it is all the qualifications. He obviously coached. He stepped in for, for six games. You know, you saw how much winning football games for the University of Michigan meant to him after beating Penn State on the road. You know, you saw the emotions. You saw the tears. That meant a lot to him. Uh, he didn't have an issue stepping in and defeating Ohio State as well. So, uh, you know, that's one of those things where it, it it feels like it was set up in a way for him to walk into this job should Harbaugh leave as a result of him stepping in for Harbaugh during his suspension. So I, I'd have to think it's all about the qualifications and and obviously what he's like behind the scenes. You know, he's a passionate guy. He shows what he, he likes. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that's, that roster likes him a lot. And as we've talked about, I don't expect a whole lot of attrition with him being named the head coach, should that be the path that Michigan goes. And that's a result of him as a, as a, as a high character person and a head coach. This next question, fellas, we are going to actually take from the ontexasfootball.com forums. And it's from Texas fan in Georgia. He says, good morning. I'm not able to ask questions live on the channel due to work, so I'm going to ask my question here. But with Harbaugh off to the NFL, do you think that makes Texas the favorite heading into the game in week two? Now, I will say, before Harbaugh left, Texas was already a favorite on the early, early line. I think they were a two-point favorite, if I recall correctly. Obviously, that game in Ann Arbor. But what do y'all think? Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. <laughs> yeah i do and I, I i don't just mean that because of harbaugh but i mean if you look at the remainder of the michigan roster that has departed you know they're going to be one of those teams that is walking in with a brand new head coach albeit potentially same system but they're going to have a brand new quarterback a brand new ru uh, leading rusher brand new leading receiver they're missing their entire offensive line which was so dominant in this past season that it it basically you know was one of the reasons for their uh, propelled uh, acceleration to the national championship game. They're missing a lot of production from a year ago, and they don't have the luxury of going out to the portal at the moment to replace that. Texas obviously did uh, because they knew this was going to be the, the departure. They knew what was going to happen with their big playmakers heading to the NFL. Obviously, uh, Michigan had an idea, but they haven't had the, the at, at least 
focus to go out and get that as you know their head coach is looking for an NFL job. So it's going to be a, a little bit behind the eight ball right now for Michigan going into 2024. They lose a lot of production and a lot of experience. So um, here, here's the list I put up last night. That's a, I mean, that's significant. That's not what you normally see on a year-to-year basis. Well, look, the offensive line, all of them gone. Now, it, tell me if if Jim Harbaugh didn't recruit offensive linemen well, I'll kiss your foot, <laughs> right? But, uh, you know, for all five of them to be gone, for the leading rusher and leading receiver and starting quarterback to be gone, I mean, that's nine of 11, really. Now, we know they have a good running back, though. The, the second team guy is pretty darn good. He's yeah. an NFL player himself. And they've recruited well. Um, the the issues that I think they have are the two interior guys on defense. They will give Texas some problems. Um, they, they will cause sacks. They may cause turnovers. Uh, Texas is going to have to play good. I, I think the bigger question I had that, that, that uh, someone asked earlier is, you know, should Michigan hire Sharon Moore? Okay. Um, I think that that is a one. If I'm the AD, it's should Texas have hired Rodney Terry? It's the same, very similar situation, right? He took over at a time of turmoil and did a bang up job, right? But Rodney Terry was not proven as a head coach to be an elite head coach. Sharon Moore has no experience as a head coach. And are you handing the keys of a Ferrari over to, to a guy that maybe should be at the Ford dealership? It's a good I point. Mean, I, I'm not trying to, and believe me, I, I'm, I'm not a big, I'm, I'm a big Ford guy, but my point being that that is, that's the, that's the million dollar question, or in Michigan's case, the multi-million dollar question. Um, I think each each situation and each coach is different. Um, and I think that what's going to happen is similar to what's happening at Texas right now in basketball. You're going to see ups and downs, whereas Michigan and Texas, teams like that, they expect this slow ascent and steady rise. Well, with new coaches, you don't necessarily get that because they haven't seen it all. They haven't done it all. And they haven't been the person responsible for making those decisions. So I, it's tough. That's a really good point. Yeah. Well, fellas, we have a super chat here from David. Thank you, David, for the super chat. And he says, I think Rod Babers would be a great defensive back coach or analyst for Texas. Why not? Um, Rod chose a different career early in his life. I mean, seriously, I think he would have been a tremendous – he calls himself a football investigator, and I, I agree with him. He really likes to look behind the scenes and kind of pluck and, and prod and poke, that sort of stuff. Uh, but, you know, he's now in his 40s, believe it or not. That's, that blows me away because I followed his recruitment, which tells you how old I am. Um, but the, the reality of it is, is he's, he decided to be in the media probably 20 years ago, and because of that, he's, I think he's extraordinarily happy. To, to people's point, he's got a new kid uh, enjoying that baby right now is what he's doing a lot of time. And being on the horn, he's still got a radio gig as well as appearing here on On Texas Football. Stays busy. There's no yes, doubt about that. <laughs> yeah, I do. Rod, you know, not a lot of people know this. 
Rod gets up and runs every morning before he goes on radio at 6 a.m. He's 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 one of those guys that's built a certain way. I guess we're going to do one more Michigan question and then we're going to move on here because we've touched on that enough. But Taylor Morris wants to know, has the clock already started for their players to enter the portal? Yeah. I, go ahead, CJ. Yeah. Yeah. 30 days from Jim Harbaugh accepting the, the Chargers job. Uh, that's the window in which they have to enter the, the NCAA transfer portal. Um, so, yes, that, that window is open as far as I'm aware. Jim Harbaugh is officially the, the L.A. Chargers head coach. He is, he signed last night. That window is wide open. All right, guys. Well, this next question here from Jerry King. He says, how many more players can we take? We have to be almost full, Bobby. I know you said they were over already. but there, Yeah, there's two, so there's two numbers here that, that they, they're concerned with. First of all, you can only bring in 25 new guys a semester. Okay. Texas is at that limit right now because they had so many midterm enrollees from the high school ranks and seven from the transfer portal. So they could get one more in with Jabbar Muhammad. Okay. But after that, I don't think they're going to be able to get anybody else in at semester's edge. So there's that element. Then I told you that the overall scholarship number is 85 that you can have. I think they're already at 87. And that doesn't include Burt Auburn, who would make them 88. Okay. That means that three, that, that even if Texas goes out and gets one or two more players from the portal after spring practice, the net number is going to have to be negative three. So if, if Texas adds two, five are going to have to leave. That's, that's where they're at, they're at on numbers, essentially. Now it could be, I could be off by one or two total there. I don't want to, I can't keep up with the entire roster every single time they have a movement on it, but that's the idea behind it. Well, on a, a very related note, Joel McWaters preaches sometimes says, What position group could we see departures from in the spring? I, I'd say maybe, maybe wide receiver, maybe linebacker, maybe offensive line. Yeah. Maybe okay. running back. Maybe a DB that sees himself passed up. Yeah. I was basically looking at where did Texas add the most from this past season and where does it feel like they are the most set going into the year? So you mentioned offensive line potentially there. That room's getting pretty crowded. There wasn't a lot of attrition this past season. Texas obviously went out and added six brand new defensive backs, uh, three portal wide receivers, as well as four incoming freshmen. That running back room looks like it could be, you know, in contention for, you know, one of the deepest in the country as well. So, I don't know. Could come from just about every level, except for quarterback. I guess uh, this next question here is going to be from the OnTexasFootball.com message boards once again. And K. John says, between Worthy, Mitchell, and Whittington, they had a combined 172 catches last year. Do you anticipate that number going up this season? And who do you think will lead that category? It's a good question. Let's see. 172. I think Texas will be looking to spread the football around just a little bit more as a result of having more options of that speed variety. You know, we talked about having, you know, pieces that you can interchange and kind of swap out due to versatility. 
Uh, I'm not sure you'll see as as many targets and, and, and receptions for one singular guy as we saw for Xavier Worthy during the duration of his career. But I like to think that number will be higher this season from the big three for uh, the Texas wide receivers. I think as Isaiah Bond is the, the number one receiver on this roster right now. Uh, what he was able to do at Alabama was impressive. Obviously led them in receiving yards last year. And we talked about him potentially being the fastest player on the team last night. So he's looking like to me the most uh, explosive threat. And I also think that you're able to, to do a little bit more with him underneath as well. Um, so I, I'll go with Isaiah Bond, but I also think the improvement of Quinn Ewers will allow for more passes to be completed through the top three wide receivers. The only thing that could keep that number below in my eyes is, is one injury and two is if Texas is really rolling offensively and they're only playing about three quarters a game. I want to add this to that conversation because I, I saw that question this morning. I'm glad you raised it, uh, Blake, uh, here on, on the show. Um, add in JT Sanders catches to that number, and it becomes 217 instead of just 172. Wow. <clears throat> so, and, and I think Quinn completed 316 passes on the year, something like that, right? So literally two-thirds gone, and all the rest came, most of the rest came to the running backs, right? The, Jonathan Brooks said Baxter, Jaden Blue, uh, Jonathan Cook only had eight. Uh, Gunnar Helm had 14 or 16. So you get my point. Um, I I don't, and, and I'm going to challenge you on this, CJ, a little bit. Um, you said the big three. I don't think there's going to be a big three this year. I think it's going to be more like four. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be like more like four with Nye Black being the fifth. Um, and Helm. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that. And I'll say this, one of the things we went over, and, and Rod was was on fire about this last night, I thought, uh, in the live stream. Um, listen to this. The, these are the speeds Texas has coming in. High school 100-meter dash times. Isaiah Bond, personal record 10.48 in the 100-meter. Okay? Ryan Niblett, 10.41. Ryan Wingo, 10.50. Here's the one that surprised me more than any. Silas Bolden. Now, he's small, right? I mean, he's 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, small guy. You don't expect those guys to run really well. Okay? Not 100 meters. Maybe 60 meters. You know, they're the they're the dart dash guys. He ran a 10-6-1 in high school. Um, I, I, you know, Matthew Golden is a speed guy. Considered a speed guy. He's one of the best kick returners in the country. He, he ran a 10-9-3. He may not be even in the top five fastest receivers at Texas. Okay? So I, I'm looking, and I say all this, I don't think that there is a, a, a group of three. I think it's looking more like a group of four. Yeah. Um, and I think Bond and, I mean, to be honest with you, I think the two that are definitely going to be in that are Bond and Bolden. I think Cook has to prove himself, even though I think he will. You know, look, we've seen, we've all seen what he can do. And I think Golden has to prove himself as an every down receiver. Yeah. So, I, I, I mentioned top three as in, you know, the top three from last year, pick the top three pass well, catchers. No, I get it. Yeah, I'm not, I, I wasn't singling out the. Yeah. 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 You, you and I are on the same page. I, I'm just saying, I think people need to think about it differently. Yeah. I'm with you 100%. 
Uh, let's stay on the wide receiver talk, guys, because we got quite a few questions regarding that. Uh, and let's start with this one from Greg Jackson. In the receiver room, who's going to be Quinn's security blanket next season? Now, that's a great question. CJ, you have thoughts on that? I don't know who it will be in the receiving room. I know Jordan Whittington was kind of that guy at times on third downs over the middle. We saw it very often. I I want to lean towards the running backs. I, I feel like there's familiarity there. He's you know been proven to check down pretty often, but when you need a third and seven, third and eight completion, who's that guy that he can go to over and over? That's what the spring is for. I, I don't know at the moment. You know, he has that that year of throwing to John Tay Cook, but John Tay Cook doesn't necessarily have that on-field experience. So that's a that's a great question. I don't, I don't know. I don't think we know the answer at this moment. Based on how he plays, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for Silas Bolden. I'm a Let's little higher on him than I think some people are. And and you know, out of all these guys they brought in, including Bond and uh, Matthew Golden, he has the most catches last year. He had 54 catches last year. The, the only thing that I, I – the only reason I, I have a little concern with saying that, CJ, and I want to get your take on this, is where Quinn likes to throw the ball. Quinn likes to throw the ball a little bit more downfield than, than the underneath guy. Even a Jordan Whittington would operate, right? Right. Quinn was looking 10 to 15, and Jordan would be operating in 5 to 10. Um, and so that would be – that's – you know, look, we got to figure out – just like Steve Sarkeesian has to figure this out too. I mean, he he just wants the pieces, and he'll figure out the puzzle, right? That that's that to, at some level, that's what he's going to be doing in the spring. Even though Bolton, by the way, not going to be there in the spring, he doesn't get in right. town until summertime. Yeah, I, I I always go back to that athletic article that we referenced going into the bowl game. We just don't know Steve Sarkeesian's tendencies. You know, it, it could be completely possible that he shows up in twenty twenty four with a brand new looking offense with just a few fragments of what we've come to know over the last three seasons. So uh, as a result of the pieces that he has, he's going to flip, kind of flip around his offense to meet the strengths. And I think that's been a very, you know, keen characteristic that we've seen so far from Sark and, and one of his best attributes that he brings each year to the Texas offense. Okay, guys, this next question from Chris Rodriguez asks, do all these incoming transfers hurt our young guys trying to develop? Now, this has been a hot topic off and on, especially every time it seems like Texas gets a transfer. But what y'all's take on this? I, 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 I'm not a big believer in that. Uh, yeah. As as, as uh, CJ would say, our, <laughs> iron, what do you say, CJ? Iron sharpens what? Iron makes stronger iron. You all know it. <laughs> we all know it. But I mean, like to your point, like these guys are going to be in spring football the entire duration of the period. They're going to be in workouts, off-season workouts. They're going to be throwing. They're going to be improving. It's not like not playing on Saturdays is, you know, they're not playing football anymore. Like they're going to be getting better. They're going to be getting older. And I think that's the most important part. A lot of these guys that are young guys trying to get on the field, in a lot of instances, they're not necessarily ready to be thrown into the fire so I think that be, being able to develop behind the scenes in practice and winter workouts and spring football, that goes a long way and it, and it builds. It certainly builds. So I think whenever by the time that they're ready to go, they're going to be at a level in which they wouldn't have been ready if they were thrown in as a true freshman. And this next question, 
Uh, more of a comment from David Williams. He says, Cedric Baxter, Jaden Blue, and at least one other Texas running back will have more impact in the receiving game. I clearly think the running back should have more impact overall on the offense this upcoming season. What do y'all think? I agree. I, I think that, um, and CJ said it a little bit there too, David. I With the, the back side of the backfield, I mean, what did they catch? Like 75 passes last year among th- about three or four of them. Um, I, I think that they will uh, do that. Uh, my, my take on it is, uh, you know, who is it going to be as much as like, who is the third running back? Keelan Robinson this year, after you got past, after, after Jonathan Brooks went out, it was clear. It was, it was CJ Baxter one, Jaden blue two, or really one a and one B right with Keelan Robinson, that third piece, he's kind of the boutique back. My question is who is that third boutique back? Is it Savion red or is it Trey Wisner this year? Or is it one of the young guys like Christian Clark or Jarrett Gibson? Um, I, I I like the idea that CJ had about leaning more on the running backs. I, I do think that especially with the offensive line coming back almost intact, I like that. I like that a lot. Yep. I, I think Jaden Blue is probably the most natural pass catcher on this team. And I also think that Jonathan Brooks after left a little bit of meat on the bone in the passing game at times last year. Uh, There were a couple notable drops towards the end zone that we could go back and point to and kind of look back and say, hey, you know, those numbers could be a lot better right now. But, you know, I I think going into 2024, the running backs that are going to be on the field often and early certainly lend more towards the passing game being a strength of theirs. Okay, fellas, this next one here is from Brian Jones, and he says, does faster receivers allow quicker quicker pass releases, which should keep viewers from getting hit as often. It depends on, so yes and no. Um, it depends on what defense they're playing too, guys, you know, um, and the play call within it. Um, it, it. It's There's context, I guess, is what I'm saying Yeah. Uh, to your question. Um, I, I do think that, like, I don't know that yours has ever been checked down Charlie. I want to say it that way, right? He's not, uh, in fact, I would have liked to see him earlier in his career check down a lot more, right? Um, What that does, though, when you do check down with quicker, faster receivers, it gives you more chance for yards after catch, Um, which I thought actually Texas got better at last year than they were previous because they they weren't throwing over the top as much. Sark wasn't trying to to kill everybody over the top. I think it definitely happens. I think it definitely works. Uh, but I think it's going to be a different way maybe than than people might imagine. Yeah. Man, we uh, we could go all day on wide receiver and talk about I mean, we've talked about it a lot this week alone. Well, before we move on to the next subject, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about Factor and how it can help their meals. Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually love pre-planned meals, meal plans. I've, I've tried a lot of them. Uh, Factor is my favorite. Uh, forget frantic lunch preps and rush dinners. Factors two-minute meals are your secret weapon in the new year. Fuel up fast with restaurant-quality meals, all delivered right to your doorstep. It really, it's it's terrific. They offer loads of snack options, too, like breakfast, smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep me going no matter what's on the schedule. I personally like their chicken. I'm telling you guys, 
it's not much, not, it's very rare that I would say chicken is one of my favorite meals. It really is with factor. I skip the grocery stores, prep work and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef, chef crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your front door with more than 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto and uh, calorie smart. Uh, Kickstart your New Year's resolutions. You'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options with Factor. Factor has everything I need for a week full of nutritious eats. In addition to ready-to-eat meals, they have cold-pressed juices, energy bites, extra protein, veggie sides, and more. If you haven't tried an energy, a, a meal plan, a delivered meal plan before, they have things that go start with just four meals per week all the way up to 18 meals per week. So you can kind of figure out which one you want to do. Head to factormeals.com forward slash Texas 50 and use code Texas 50 to get 50% off. That's code Texas 50 at factormeals.com forward slash Texas 50 to get 50% off. Like I said, I don't I don't do a lot of these. I've tried a bunch of different ones. Factor is by far my favorite one, and I'm happy that they came aboard to sponsor the show. Uh, again, factormeals.com forward slash Texas 50 to get 50% off. Okay. Oh, we've talked about offense in depth. Let's jump over to the other side of the football here. And let's start with this super chat from Nicolini Morell. Thank you, Nicolini. And he says, good morning. Who do you all see having a surprise year or role after not playing at all last year, such as Ryan Niblett, Darian Gallette, so let's do one on offense and then one on defense. Well, I think the easy one is Jonte Cook. You know, <laughs> I, I think that's who we're all pointing to. I'd like to see DeAndre Moore find a way onto the field. It's a crowded room. I don't know if he'll be able to, but if he is, that's a, a, a great point for me going forward into 2025 as well. So if he's able to, that's even more uh, uh, that. Even more bored, better, you know, let's put it that way. <laughs> so uh, on defense, I like Leon Golafowl. That's the pick for me. I've been very high on him since he ver- he's arrived. Texas ca- coaching staff trusts him. He was on the field for special teams more than anybody on this roster a year ago. He's my pick on defensive on the defensive side of the ball. I think he uh, will carve out a pretty nice significant role in 2024. Bobby? I so Jonte Cook's the obviously, I, I think that's the obvious one, but I'm going to say Cam Williams. I mean, I guess he's not a freshman in that way, and he did see some time. Uh, I think he'll have the biggest impact of the of the guys on the roster that are that didn't play much this year. If I had to say a freshman from last year, it would be Trey Wisner as much as uh, Jonte Cook. There's just something about Trey Wisner I like a lot. Uh, as a player, I know he's going to have limited carries, but I think he's going to have that, at least this year, I think he'll have that Keelan Robinson role. I really do. He's got that kind of slasher ability, if that makes sense. Uh, on defense, I, I would go with Darian Gallette, actually. Um, I really, really have heard great things about him. And I think that here's the here's the category that we always talk about that you know, good players help you have a good team. Great players are disruptors. They make they make game-winning plays. I think of Adonai Mitchell's catch against TCU. I think of Tavondre Sweat's batted pass or uh, against K-State or, or Byron Murphy's pass rush. Uh, Xavier Worthy's catch and run against Wyoming. 
They make disruptive plays. Anthony Hill is that guy on defense right now of everybody, in my opinion. But I will say this. I am hearing that Darian Gillette has that capacity. Now, let's see him be a player first. Um, that's why that's who I'm looking forward to. I don't know that I've heard that same kind of categorization categorization at for Jelani McDonald, CJ, and Blake. Let, let's let's wait and see. Uh, this next question from Jay Wilson says, Hey, CJ and Bobby, who do you guys think is going to start at the other linebacker spot next to Anthony Hill? I think David Benda is the odds on favorite. I mean, wouldn't you agree, CJ? I would. I, I, I do. I, I do want to see how Leon Glafell obviously fits into that mold and that rotation, but you'd have to go to the, the elder statesman there with the returning experience, returning production, say, Hey, it's your job now. And then we got a super chat from UT Boy that I got to read real quick. Uh, thank you, UT Boy, for the super chat. He says, CJ, I don't believe we've met. I'm UT Boy. I graduated in 1998. It's nice to meet you. We have a strict rule here. Never question John Tay Cook. It's his world. No big deal. But he is a star. Look on, family. <laughs> UT Boy, it's great meeting you. <laughs> I'm glad that we can become acquainted with one another. Listen, I'm a huge John Tay Cook fan. Let me be clear. Let me be clear. I, I'm 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 on I'm on your team here. And then we're gonna go back to the uh, the question just a little bit ago and kind of play on more on that uh, from rural, rural Eagle. He says, "Who are three players from last season who played limited snaps that you could think that you think could emerge this spring, even become starters?" Are there three? Let me ask all that. Could Sadir Mitchell make that jump? Yes. There's a certainly an open spot for him. Yeah. Sadir Mitchell, um, Jonte Cook for sure, and Cam Williams. Yeah. Or here's one. Left guard, Neta Umiazulu. Oh. You know, Bobby, in a way, it's good that we it took time for us to think of three. Yeah. <laughs> You well, those are, and, and those three aren't are pretty talented players. Yeah, it's a it's um, a good problem for us to have. Yeah, good. That's why people. It's part of the reason why people are excited about Texas football. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, you lose Christian Jones. Like five years ago, you lose Christian Jones. Texas fans are concerned as you know what that they lose an an NFL offensive lineman because they haven't had one in so long. Now you're kind of excited to see what Cam Williams can do. That, that, in a nutshell, is why Texas football is exciting right now. Right? I mean, right? That's, that's part of why people are, are happy and, and enjoying what we're, what we're looking at right now because they can sense that next man up doesn't mean, oh, no, we're going to go way down in, ca in categorization of player. Next man up means, okay, we get to see what this guy really has. Yeah. Okay, this next question here is going to be from Jason. And Jason says, how much of a jump would the players on the current roster have to make to fill the void at defensive tackle and nose tackle? Are we all overreacting? A lot. We're not overreacting. See, I, I people, Texas has guys at defensive tackle. They don't have dudes at defensive tackle. That's the cat. That's 
the categorical difference. Unless Alfred Collins makes a leap against the run, Texas does not have a dude at defensive tackle right now. Vernon Broughton's a good player. Alfred Collins is a good player. I mean, I, I think Sadir Mitchell's going to be good. I think Anthony Bryant's going to be plausible. I, I think uh, Savea uh, from Arizona is going to be plausible. The difference is you want some dudes on the defensive front. Texas had that last year. Um, and that, you know, I don't, I think people are saying, oh, we're, oh, people are overplaying it. Maybe I, I don't, but I'm a little bit of a worrier. I'll admit it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think that if I'm sitting here pinpointing issues, that's the one spot on the field where I am concerned that they don't have, you know, what it's going to take at that position. A little bit of a warrior, Bobby. I think some of the chat would say you're a big time warrior. Well, I am. I am. But that's okay. I mean, look. I mean, I think it's okay to be like I, I tried to explain to someone today or this morning on the board. It's okay to be uh, to critique the team and be even be critical. It's it's not okay yeah. to be demeaning, right? I I don't want to say that. I that's not what I'm trying to do. Bobby, I wanted to ask you before we, we get another question, Blake. Uh, Alfred Collins, do you see a potential path for him to be used at nose? He played last year around 317. He's been all over the, the defensive line. If he gets up to 325, is that something that you think could be a viable option in the middle of that defensive line? Um, No. I mean, he's too long-armed to play nose. Got it. I mean, I, I and too and his body, just like Vernon Broad's not, their, their bodies just aren't conducive to that. Yeah. Um, to, they, they're they not good at handling the double teams because of that, in my opinion. Makes sense. And then Zane Petty uh, put the point here. He says, Murphy and Sweat were not dudes going into this season. They were just rotational players. Sweat took plays off and did not have a great motor his junior year. Do y'all think we could have, I mean, do y'all see some, I mean, is there even a remote possibility one player, much less two, takes such a huge step? I get what he's saying, but is it plausible? We saw promising moments from those two players, though. That, I mean, Tavondre Sweat did make plays as a junior. Let's, he would have been a third or fourth round pick, maybe. That was his grade, okay? I don't know that, I don't know that, Vernon Broughton or Alfred Collins would get a third or fourth round grade this year going into next year. Byron Murphy has been a player from the day he stepped on campus for him to make another step up was not, it was going from a B to an A. It wasn't going from a, a B minus to a B plus. Right. Um, I, I don't see Zane. I understand where you're going at it and you're not entirely wrong. I just think that the two are, are separate differently situated plus this um Tavondre Sweat had all the talent in the world right I mean it was always about him putting it on the field um I don't know that Texas has that at defensive tackle in the upper class ranks at nose right now yeah I think at this point last year when we were getting asked who's going to be that guy to step up and be you know, someone we expect to see a larger role from an impact from, I think almost the entire consensus answer was going to be Byron Murphy uh, to that question uh, point right now. I don't think we've mentioned AC or Vernon Broughton 
thus far. That could change after spring, but right now that's not been the trajectory and path that we saw a year ago at the position. Let's see what they look like in the spring to their point. I mean, I agree with that. We're going to stay on the uh, defensive line talk for a minute. Osmosis Jones says, even with the worries at defensive tackle, is the game to worry about it outside of Georgia? All yeah, of them. a couple. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about all of them. Um, I, uh, CJ and I got, kind of got asked this question last night on live stream. We both agreed on Kentucky being a weird game. Um, it's later in the season. They're a physical football team. Yes, it's in Austin. I think Florida is going to be reeling. That's going to be a, an interesting game, but they're always talented. You saw even a good Florida State team, they took Florida State team, you know, to the end because they had players, even though they weren't playing as a team. Um, Georgia, though, you know, you got to beat Oklahoma this year. You got to come back and do that. Uh, they've got a new starting quarterback, a new offensive coordinator. Um, any others, UCJ, uh, that, that kind of stand out? I mean, what about UTSA? I know that sounds weird, but if Frank Harris is back again, I mean, they're going to have an offense of some sort. I was wrong there. It, oh, you're wrong? Out, he came out January 4th, so I, I guess after we talked about it, he's not returning for year number eight. It's going to be Owen McCown, uh, the son of Josh McCown, for UTSA next year. Uh, I looked that up last night when when doing that article on, on TexasFootball.com, but I, I, I saw it and I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Year eight's not in the works. I, I was a little surprised. But, I, I mean, to your point, UTSA is always well coached. I mean, they're always physical. I actually think Colorado State might give Texas a little bit of run for their money. That's a team that we saw against Colorado last year, and Colorado's not a good team. But they don't take ish from nobody. You know what I mean? So, like, that's a program that I think could certainly uh, be a little bit of a, a surprise game if I had to pick one. That's I, I think Texas will kill them. Now, I, I will say that. <laughs> I'm in. I mean, they, I'm in they lost their receiver, the the Norton, the big time receiver. Yep. That they had to pair with that quarterback. He was he was fantastic. Hey, we thought Texas would kill Rice and Wyoming, and that game was close going in the fourth quarter. So fair. All right, y'all. Miguel Gonzalez wants to know: Are there any edge players currently on the roster that could bulk up and move inside? Well, the one that we're wanting to do that is Jeray Bledsoe. Yeah. I mean, but but he just hasn't been able to gain the weight, the good weight that you want. He's staying out at that three technique more. Um, you know, he is if, – if y'all wanted to know a guy that you wanted to step up that had first-round potential like Tavondre Sweat or Byron Murphy on the defensive line, throw everybody else away and put Jeray Bledsoe in that category. That's the guy. But, you know, he is yet to bust a grape, essentially, because either people ahead of him or he hasn't been able to get, gain enough weight or just hasn't been playing well enough. That, that's the one guy I could say that's the dude. But, you know, I, he's got to have a big spring and a big summer. Uh, Bobby, this next super chat is for you from UT boy. And he says, I think your worrying days are over. Trust me, this coming season's mission statement. It's woodshed, Bobby woodshed. Fair. I hope so. I think they will start taking care of uh, lesser opponents more easily, 
especially with Quinn Ewers being in his third year. Okay. And especially having seen the three high defense um, as many times as they did, that's not going to freak him out as much as it did before. They've kind of got some answers to that. Right. Um, and so I, I feel like there's less likelihood of that being a problem. I, I really do. Well, before we move on to the next super chat, I'm going to let you tell folks how Austin Underground can take care of them. Yeah, absolutely. Austin Underground, uh, since 2004, has specialized in difficult underground commercial installation. The team's engineering background gives Austin Underground the ability to perform work other firms often consider just too risky. Rick Vavro and his team offer an end-to-end -end client experience, including seamless communication, budgeting, staffing, and top-notch trade partners. And most importantly, they produce solid quality work each and every time. That's Austin Underground. Hey, thank you, Rick and company. So this next Super Chat, fellas, is from Bobby Gaithright. Thank you, Bobby, for the big Super Chat. And he says, Sark hired part of the defensive staff, such as Gideon and Joseph, before hiring PK. Is this part of the problem of coordinating the back half of the defense with the front seven? I think you could have said that in year one. I don't think you can say that in year three and four. Fair. That's a fair question. Um, yeah. Look, I mean, Texas, uh, Steve Sarkeesian did some work on defense this year. I mean, y'all can, I don't know how much everybody realizes this or not, but Sark said, we got to start playing more press. He was tired of just letting guys run free underneath. And, Terry Joseph is re responsible for calling part of the back half of the defense. And he was having guys play off. And Steve Sarkeesian went in there and said, no, I want, I want to play more press. We've got better players. We need to start challenging people more. And when they did that, I think the defense turned, made a turn after that TCU game. I really do. Even, even, the, even in, against Washington, those guys were not running wide open. That was just great plays i mean I, I hope everybody agreed that's what i saw at least yeah the one wide open bust was one that terrence brooks actually had a dpi on so it wasn't completed you know, yeah he, did what he was taught okay guys well it's been about an hour we've been going strong here so let's reset because we've had a lot of people join uh since we first started and let's start with we'll go this time with the defensive tackle coach update bobby i'm gonna let you start there yeah, absolutely. I spoke to someone uh, late last night uh, about the situation. Steve Sarkeesian right now is said to be really looking at the totality of the position. He wants not only a great developer of talent, but also someone that can raise the level and ability as a recruiter. Uh, the the While we talk about all of this, one of the things we just harped on a little bit was the relatively bare cupboard of the defensive tackle position in the upper classes. OK, that's something that has to happen. Uh, and he's looking for not only someone that can develop, but also be and improve them as a group recruiting. OK, they want to try to get the best defensive tackles in the country, uh, either develop them, get them as a starting as a starting point, et cetera, uh, because that's not something that was necessarily Bo Davis's strong point. They want to improve recruiting with this defensive tackle coach to that end. I was told that Steve Sarkeesian's on his own timeline. 
You know, he's talking to people, but I don't think he's offered anybody the job at this point. All right. So think about that. He's looking for the right mix. He wants a guy that can recruit and develop. Now, does that mean NFL, some, some NFL pedigree? I'm not sure. But I do believe Texas is trying uh, here to, to kind of connect the dots all the way around. He doesn't have some kind of arbitrary deadline like February 7th because really Texas isn't recruiting any more defensive linemen right now. He wants to get someone in here by spring ball that can actually go out and recruit in, on an elite level. That's, that's, that's it. And then the other big news that we opened up with this morning, of course, Michigan's coaching change. Could it have a domino effect on the Longhorns? Certainly. How much of it will we see? Well, that depends on where Michigan goes with their hiring uh, process following the Harbaugh departure for the L.A. Chargers. Right now, it looks like Sharon Moore is going to be that guy. As you mentioned earlier, Bobby Brent Murphy of Action Network uh, mentioned it, it's 99.9%, you know, the job of Sharon Moore is to lose. And so if that is the direction that Michigan decides to go, I don't expect to see a whole lot of attrition, certainly not to the extent that we saw from Alabama following the retirement of Nick Saban. If there is attrition, there are three names that Texas fans should keep a close eye on. The first is cornerback Will Johnson. He was the defensive MVP of the national championship, probably in the conversation for the best overall defensive back in the country. And then there's two interior defensive linemen. The first is Mason Graham. And then second is uh, Kenneth Grant. And Grant probably fits that nose uh, position just a little bit better. He's about 340 pounds, 6'2", 6'3", right in that range. Big fella, big fella. Uh, but Mason Grant is more of that Byron Murphy three tech. He, as you've mentioned earlier, Bobby, uh, uh, likely to see his name on the first team All-American preseason list going into 2024. Those are the, the thing that CJ's mentioning there. Those are all of them are what I would call dudes. <laughs> those are big time players. You get those guys. They Any of those three would be in the top two or three of the whole transfer class that Texas just brought in. Will Johnson would probably be number one. Mason yeah. Graham would probably be number one, just to give you an idea. Over a guy like Nye Black and Isaiah Bond, Trey Moore. That's how talented those guys are. Okay, guys, we've got time for a few more questions here. And I'm going to start with this super chat from Rhett Kelly. Back-to-back back, back back classes with only one defensive tackle. I'm concerned about numbers for the future past next season. I think that ties into exactly what I just talked about. Now, now they did bring in, they still have Melvin Hills this year. That has not decided what he's actually going to do. Going to wait for the coach to actually be named. But my point on this, that's one of the reasons why they want to go back. And in the year before that, they got Bledsoe, Swanson, and Bryant. Well, Swanson's not big enough. He hasn't developed to get big enough. And Bryant probably is not ideal size either. So it's it's three consecutive years where they didn't necessarily hit at defensive tackle. Now they may have hit on Mitchell and they may have hit on Alex January. Okay. But because of that, they're young at the they're too young at the position. Um, so I, I look, I think that goes more to the fact of what we just talked about with needing to improve recruiting at that defensive line position. And then we're going to go back over to the ontexasfootball.com message board and take this question here from Millard Nance. And Millard says, with the need to ultimately hit the 85 total scholarships, 
how likely is it that a player who is receiving significant NIL offers go without his scholarship to make room for those players who need it more? Do you think we'll ever see that? It's already, it's already happened last year. Bert Auburn did not have, was not on scholarship, but was receiving NIL money. So we've already seen it. Um, I, I worry a little bit about that because there's some element there uh, of support that scholarship players get that you want them to have. And whether that's nutrition, I mean, being able to use the training table, walk-ons can't use the training table unless they pay for it. Right. Um, things like that matter. Uh, study help for some of the guys to make sure they, they remain eligible, et cetera. Um, I think that there's a little concern that you can go too far that direction. Um, I, I'd like to see the guys that that are on the team and com- contributing to be on scholarship NIL being a, a bonus, not necessarily a replacement. It can't happen though. To Miller's question, to Miller's point, it, it just—I don't think you want to do that whole hog. I don't think you want five to ten guys doing that. And then FCJ says, Bobby, this on Texas Football Channel has leveled up. Can we get more high school coaches as guests on here? I hope so. I love Josh Gibson from Pleasant Grove. He's awesome. You did a nice job getting him to come on. Uh, I'd love to have more high school coaches on for sure. Yeah, definitely. I got a few in mind too. Former, former uh, Longhorns that, you know, are coaching in the high school ranks and got some calls out. So hopefully, (laughs) hopefully here soon we'll we'll have more on. Okay, guys, this is going to be the last question of the day today. And uh, Emmanuel Villafranco, Name the MVP on the offense and the defense for the 2024 season. I think we're going to have the same one on offense, Bobby. Quinn Ewers? Quinn Ewers. It has to be. You know, year three, he's going to be – it's going to be his team. We talked about his leadership that's already showing up in winter conditioning last night. It has to be Quinn Ewers on the offense side of the ball. Defensively, I'm going to go with Anthony Hill. I think another year in the in the – in the Texas system and another year in college, his impact in the middle of the field is going to be felt throughout the Texas defense. I like, I like Anthony Hill. We got the same guys. Wow. Look at that. That's, that's what I, I literally wrote those two down immediately. I like it. Makes things easy. <laughs> I would not mind it if it's Trey Moore or Ethan Burke though. Oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, if they, if those two start getting after the passer, that that could take Texas's D up a level. I'm with you. All right. So let's say you can't pick Quinn Ewers. Who would be your second offensive MVP? Make it a little bit harder. It's hard. Right. Isn't it hard to pick an individual offensive lineman? Like Kelvin Banks. And I say this because you think of an offensive line not as an, necessarily an individual position, but as a unit, right? Right. Um, so lacking being able to call Kelvin Banks or Jake Majors because he's the center of that or the focal point of that offensive line, I'd, I'd go Isaiah Bond at this point. That's where, that's where I was headed. Okay, <laughs> y'all are on the same page, man. Defensively, the second guy, I, I'll if it's not an edge guy, it's I. After what we saw in 2023, I'd have to think it's Jada Barron. I'll go Ethan Burke. 
And I tell you what I just did, fellas. I, I went ahead and posted that question on the On Texas Football message board. So be sure to go over there and weigh in and, and let's see uh, what the general public thinks as well. And I put y'all's answers on there. Well, speaking of On Texas Football, Bobby, tell folks what they can expect later today right here on the YouTube channel. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bob Shipley and uh, Rod Babers get together today for uh, football theory each and every Thursday afternoon. Uh, they come together and talk a little football. We'll be back if there's any news. Uh, we're still waiting to hear a little bit on Jabbar Muhammad, by the way. I, I, I don't want to say that Texas is completely out of that, but Oregon is certainly uh, trending. Alabama involved as well. Uh, there could be other news as far as Michigan. And do any of those guys go in the portal? I mean, look, it, it's now... I know people want to say, well, Sharon Moore is going to get it. There's going to be light attrition. There may be no attrition. Let's see. Uh, that, that's what we're going to be monitoring, plus anybody else uh, from Arizona that went in the portal, et cetera. And uh, Steve Sarkeesian, his guys out on the road right now, too. So a lot of, lot of interesting stuff. One thing that we're going to be monitoring this weekend, and, and uh, CJ and I talked about it prior to, to starting this, uh, this live stream, AM has a big junior day coming up. Uh, this weekend, a lot of guys that that were at Texas last weekend, Bo Barnes, who Sark was by to see yesterday, the two two offensive linemen, Jonte Newman and uh, uh, Ryan Foji from Bridgeland are going to be there. Riley Pettijan, the linebacker, is going to be there. Xavier Acuno, uh, the defensive lineman, is going to be in, in College Station. So we're kind of monitoring that to make sure uh, where Texas uh, kind of falls out in that situation, too. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Coffee and Football presented by Rick Valbro and Austin Underground. I want to thank them for sponsoring along with Factor today. Uh, we definitely appreciate the both of them. Appreciate all of you tuning in. Thank you for all the great questions, the super chats. As we said, head on over to ontexasfootball.com for more discussion, more news. And then if, you're, if you haven't already, be sure to like and subscribe. Ring the bell so you're notified anytime that we go live with breaking news or just post a video. So, for Bobby Burton and C.J. Vogel, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Hook them. Happy Thursday.